0: This is Books of Titans, the podcast dedicated to the influences of influencers. The books that have helped shape prominent inventors, business leaders, athletes, intellectuals, scientists, and others. We'll talk about what makes these books such classics and at least attempt to have an intelligent discussion about what makes them so important and influential. Hello, this is Eric Rostad coming to you right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Today I'm going to cover a book called Robot Proof, Higher Education in the Age of Artificial Intelligence by Dr. Joseph E. Aoun. This is book 39 from my 2018 reading list of 52 total books. This episode will consist of three segments. The first will be an introduction to the book, the author, and my initial reaction. The second will be three key ideas, and the third segment will be the one thing, my one key takeaway that I hope to begin implementing immediately as a result of of this book. So on to segment one, the author... Dr. Joseph E. Aoun, he is the seventh president of Northeastern University, which is up in Boston, and he has been in that role of the presidency since 2006. He was born in Beirut, Lebanon, and he has a PhD in linguistics from MIT. This book was released in 2017, so it's just a few years old, and it was released by MIT Press. It was suggested by myself. Uh, Northeastern's been one of my biggest clients. I'm a website developer, and I've have done a few sites for the university, and I've worked with them since 2017. And so I saw this book highlighted when I would go visit campus for uh, for work and thought it would be an interesting one to read. And, and since reading it, I've become much more interested in the the topic. And I see a huge need to help companies prepare for the future for their workforces. So this, this book gets into... That, as well as education for yourself and uh, how universities can can play a role in all that. I read it in December of last year, so December 5th through the 9th of 2018, and it's a relatively short book. It's uh, about 150 pages, and so you can get through it pretty quickly, but it, it uh, packs quite a punch. So as for my initial reaction, uh, I think it's a short and important book. It describes the coming AI storm, the, the changes that are going to be happening as a result of artificial intelligence, and highlights what you can do about it personally, what, and what universities and companies can do to, to prepare for, for what's coming. The structure of the book is it's broken up into five different chapters. The first is Fears of a Robotic Future. The second is views from the C-suite, what employers want in their own words. Third chapter is a learning model for the future, so how education can in uh, ac- academia can respond. The fourth is the experiential difference, so experiential learning. Uh, Northeastern is is big on on co-ops and in having their students work in companies or organizations that are relevant to their their field. And then the fifth chapter is learning for life, so lifelong learning. As the president of Northeastern University, he has a unique view on on the topic and an, a unique perspective, I think that you that you might not get in other books about AI. And that's because he's able to affect change at the university level to prepare for for what's coming so he talks about that he talks about what he does is doing at northeastern to make them robot proof and so you know there's a ton of books out there about about artificial intelligence but that's that's the the neat thing about this one is is the perspective of of a university president writing it as for who should read the book, I would say educators, first of all. It'd be a, a great book for for you to read. Uh, secondly, CEOs who realize that the workforce is about to go uh, uh, a major change. And then thirdly, anyone who needs a kick to begin their own lifelong learning. I know for me, I read The World is Flat by Thomas Friedman. I read that in 2003 or 2004, and as a result of that, I decided to go to grad school and he, he kind of painted, painted a picture of what was coming in terms of changes in the, in the workforce and it, it's only become more so since since then so if you kind of need that kick to to get you going on on a path of lifelong learning this would be a good book and a good short pithy book to do that If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome, and thanks for checking it out. I started the Books of Titans project because I needed help picking out the best books. I found out what some of the world's top performers were reading and started reading those books to the tune of 52 per year or one a week. I set my reading list a year in advance and then I share it online. That helps create accountability and a connection with others who are reading the same books. I want you to experience the benefits of having a yearly reading list. To that end, the Books of Titans website is stocked full of resources to help you find the best books. And I've also opened up the website to where you can begin sharing your reading list. This will allow you to share it with others, write reviews, and rate each book. I have three different plans, with the first one starting at just $9 per month. Your books will be placed in a visually stunning format that you can share on social platforms. Go to booksoftitans.com forward slash mybooks for more details. One thing I also do each week, or I've started doing each week, is is highlighting someone else who who is reading a lot or uh, a, a tool that that can help you read read better. And th- this week I'm going to highlight someone named Alexander the Great Reader, and uh, you can find him on Instagram at uh, the username the Great Reader, and that's D A and then Great Reader. And I I will link to his page in the show notes. But uh, he started doing an, an experiment on himself that he started in 2017 with a goal to read 100 books a year. I mean, I'm I'm trying to read 52, and this guy is doing. He's trying to do 100 books a year, and here's here are the results so far. In 2017, he read 105 books. 2018, he read 216 books, and already in 2019, here he has read 46 books. He said he's going to do this experiment for ten years, and uh, just five years ago, he had never read a book in his life. And now, look at look at what he's doing. It's really inspiring. I love following him on Instagram, and he also has a podcast. So if you if you go to his Instagram page, the link in his bio is a link to the to his podcast. And what's cool about his podcast is he'll talk about a book for just five to ten minutes, and get you'll get like three three of the main points from that book. He also gets all the books from the library. So if you're thinking about doing a reading project and you're worried about cost, it doesn't have to cost anything. You can get all these books from the library. So very inspiring man, very inspiring project that he's doing. So I encourage you to uh to to check him out. Again, the, his Instagram page will be linked in the show notes of this article. So back to the book. This section I'm going to highlight three different ideas from the book and, and then expand on each one. So the first one is going to be the future of education. The second one, what what types of jobs will be replaced with with artificial intelligence? And then the third idea is lifelong learning. So the future of education, I'm going to start off with a question here. Do you know what the word alma mater means? It actually means a nourishing mother. And Dr. Aoun He's in this book he is calling universities to to come back to that idea to engage in lifelong teaching. So he's he's encouraging individuals to pursue lifelong learning, but he is calling universities to engage in lifelong teaching, to to be that nourishing mother throughout life. And it's really cool the idea he has for that. It's it's not just going to college for 4 years and then and then you know, they send you letters and try to get money from you for the rest of, of your life. But instead, it's, it's an idea of um, the university always being there. So 10 years, maybe 10 years into your career, you realize that you need a new set of skills, you need to, to up your game, you can go back to the university and maybe not get a degree, but, uh, but do different, different things to, to increase your skills. And so his idea is for that, that university system to be there throughout your life. So uh, here's, here's one quote he says about that. Universities must broaden their reach to become engines for lifelong learning. And he says that in the introduction to the book, the way he calls universities to do that is in, in four main areas. The first is for them to have a robust system of experiential learning for students. So at uh, at Northeastern University, this takes the form of, of co-ops where students can work for companies or organizations that fit with or are ancillary to their program of study. The second thing is to create a more modular system of study. And th- this was really cool. I, I liked this idea. So what he's, what he's getting at with this modular system of study is that Existing students or lifelong learners can take a stack of courses or knowledge paths to learn specific skill sets that don't fit within a traditional degree path. So we, we often think of undergraduate degrees or graduate degrees. But what he's talking about, let's, let's you know, maybe keep that, but, but also perhaps add a new system of study that's a modular one. So if you need to learn biochemistry, uh, there you... You could do a modular system based on that that isn't necessarily in a degree path. So with this, it it'll obviously be up to the university system to figure out a way to get these with correct credentials that employers will be able to to understand and, and that sort of thing. But um, but just a neat concept and a neat thing for for universities to begin begin thinking about. Another thing that he suggests that universities can do as part of this. Um, This lifelong teaching plan is to set up multi-university networks where different locations focus on unique cultural and or technological areas. So, for instance, the way the way Northeastern is doing this is they're setting up campuses in different parts of the world. And so those different campuses will have a unique cultural perspective, and then they can also focus on a unique technological area. This, in essence, would also allow a student to study at multiple locations within the same university and not just within their deg- degree program, but, but throughout their life. So I know Northeastern has one in Toronto. Obviously, their main campus is in Boston. They have another campus in Charlotte. And so Dr. Aoun is actually building this out right now with Northeastern to have a multi-university network. So kind of a neat, uh, a, a, again, a neat idea. And then the the last thing he he talks about a lot in this book is a business and academia connection, and I want to read this section because uh, I thought it was pretty pretty interesting the way that he he described it. So this is starting on page one twenty one. In the past, universities determined curricular design largely by by themselves, assuming that they understood learners' needs and the desired outcomes. In the lifelong learning model of the future, universities will co-design curricula in full partnership with employers and learners. From a conceptual point of view, this means that they will have to sit down with learners to map out their professional needs and outcomes candidly. Just as important, they will respond to changes in the workplace by inviting employers to discuss their business demands. This means that the conceptualization of new academic programs, universi- universities will account for the business strategies employers are seeking to accomplish, their professional workforce requirements, and the ways technology is changing the shape of their industries. In other words, the employer will become an equal partner in delineating the contours of educational content, keep helping to keep it streamlined and relevant to the moment. So I thought that was cool. Just a, a, a deeper connection with with employers, and I, I've seen Northeastern do this. Uh, one of the sites that I've worked on is their entrepreneurship uh, website, and uh, they they have a lot of of different connections, startup incubators, that sort of thing, with with uh, industry and companies in, especially in the Boston area, that they connect to uh, academia. So. Again, four different really cool ways, the experiential learning for students, the modular system of study, multi-university networks, and then the business-to-academia connection. Main, The main goal is to educate people to think in ways that cannot be imitated by networks of machines. And he goes into a lot of that on on the types of jobs, and, and I'll get into that in the next section. He talks about an idea called humanics, which he says, we need a new model of learning that enables learners to understand the highly technological world around them that simultaneously allows them to transcend it by nurturing the mental and intellectual qualities that are unique to humans, namely their capacity for creativity and mental flexibility. So again, we're entering a highly technological world, there's going to be robots, there's going to be artificial intelligence, there's going to be more and more powerful computers. The people that will thrive in that situation, in, the, in that environment, are those who can work with computers, who can work with the robots, and who have the, the mental and intellectual capabilities and, and, and strive to, to constantly improve those, the, the things that are unique to humans. And what he really highlights there is their creativity and mental flexibility. So let's talk about what jobs are going to be replaced. I I always think to you know first we 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 think of mental, uh, manual labor, where it's obvious we can we can see that being replaced by machines. So that's the first thing to go. But then. In the intro of this book, he says computers are moving from the ability to learn from explicit programming to being able to learn from data. So in the past, whatever the programmer would program into the computer, the computer would do that and and do that, do that faithfully and do it correctly with with few errors. But now computers are are able to learn from data. So we talk we talk about this age of being we're in the big data, uh, companies are collecting a ton of information on their, their, their customers, uh, social media platforms are, are collecting a lot of data on their users. And now we have all this data and people and companies they're, they're using this to, to kind of get data out of that. But, but computers are able to now learn from all this data that they're collecting. So with that in mind, will my job be okay? And here's, here's what he says. As computers and advanced machines take the next leap forward and attain high levels of cognition, they are, posed, they are poised to replace professionals who make decisions based on information. In other words, they are poised to replace thinkers. Well, that's kind of scary, isn't it? I mean, you you think, okay, manual labor. I can see how a machine could do the manual labor. That makes sense. But thinkers, how can how can a computer think? Like, how can it how can it take my place if I'm if I'm doing work that that requires deep thinking? Well, I I want to bring in a, a few books here that we've read for the Books of Titans project. The first one is Thinking Fast and Slow. I this one comes up in almost every episode. It is a foundational book, but Kahneman talks about our decision mechanism as being flawed. And then if we look at Homo Deus by Harari, he says that decisions are made better by algorithms. A, l- a lot of decisions, and, and we're starting to see more and more of that. I mean, just take your, um, just take your GPS on your phone. I I, I trust that more than I trust my I, even what they're saying on the radio of, of what you should do for traffic because, and and that's just one, one, uh, one area where the decisions being made by that real time traffic GPS system are better than, you know, just obviously just looking at a a static map or, or even the, the traffic on the, on the radio. So he, he says employment will often involve, sorry, employment will less often involve the routine application of facts So education should follow suit. So those are the types of jobs that are going to be going away. And it's, I think we're going to be shocked in the near future. I mean, we're talking accountants. We're talking intro uh, lawyers, people who just starting out in law. A lot of that is going to, to be done by, by computers, by artificial intelligence, Uh, jobs that we, traditionally have thought of as being safe and, and white-collar, per se, are going to be replaced by computers. So the question now then is, what can't computers yet do? And here are a few things Dr. Owen says that they can't do as of, as of yet. No computer has yet displayed creativity, entrepreneur, entrepreneurialism, or cultural agility technology lacks the discernment to filter truth from deceit. And we can see that in fake news and, and the trouble that uh, that a lot of the social platforms are having in distinguishing between what is a real news story and what is a fake news story. Uh, the Algorithms have a hard time uh, determining or, or distinguishing between those. And the final thing he says is machines cannot know the world through human experience. They cannot fully account or fully appreciate human context. One other important thing to think about in when we're thinking about you know even your own job will that job be replaced new jobs will be gained. So as we're talking about jobs being lost it's it's important to remember that new jobs will be gained as a result. And there will be new opportunities that arise out of this. But the people that will be able to take advantage of those new opportunities will be the lifelong learners, which leads to the final, the final key idea from this book, which is lifelong learning. And here's the book's money quote. The key to becoming the most robot-proof person of all is to be the self-directed lifelong learner. But it's not just about learning. It's also about application. And this is where Dr. Aoun gets into the experiential learning. And what he means by that is, is putting into practice what you're learning. So the students at Northeastern, they, they learn in the classroom, and then they have these co-ops and different opportunities where they can apply what they've learned. And he says what, what that does is it steeps them in randomness. So whereas everything is kind of cut and dry in, in your textbook, once you go and apply that and, and do the experiential learning, there's random events, and that that's really where the learning comes in. Learning happens when we act and think. So he goes into the deliberate learning. These capacities, cognitive, are mindsets rather than bodies of knowledge. They're mental architecture rather than mental furniture. So that's really the goal of lifelong learning is to create a mental architecture for moving forward, for for constantly learning new skills, rather than just having different pieces of mental furniture that you've that you've collected. So again, three key points from this book The Future of Education, what jobs will be replaced and how you can prepare for the future through lifelong learning. Now on to segment 3 and the one thing so real quick, the, the reason I do the one thing is, is uh, people ask a lot, like, how, what are some of the best ways to retain what you read? And I think the best thing to do is to immediately apply something from the book. Any, any book is going to have a lot of key th- takeaways or, or things that you can apply, but I try to pick one that I want to apply or one thing that I want to change in my life as a result of what I read in the book. And I, I try to do that with every book. Obviously it's hard for, for novels where novels, more of a story, but I still try to get a key takeaway out of that. But in a book like this, it's, it's pretty, there's a pretty clear key takeaway for me. And, uh, here, here's my one thing for this book, start becoming robot proof today. And I mean, me like right now, what can I do to become robot proof today? So I do website development, and that is an information-based job. There's thinking involved, but according to this book, my time is limited. I would, I, I, I would guess that maybe five years from now, website development as we know it right now is going to be gone. Not gone as in there's not going to be any more websites, but there will be tools. There will, there will be artificial intelligence. There will be more powerful computers that can create a website for somebody where they don't need me to do it anymore. And I think one test you can do for yourself is, can you type out what you do for your job? Can you type that out in an in a email and send it to somebody who will work for $5 an hour and... They can do your job exactly how you do it. If you can do that, if you can type out everything you do, and somebody else can do it for a lot cheaper, a computer can also do that. It, it makes me think of that scene in Good Will Hunting, the, the famous bar scene where good, uh, where Hunt, Will Hunting starts talking to the guy, and, and the guy's just kind of spouting off knowledge, and Will Hunting said, you know, you've read that in a book and you blew $150,000 on an education. You could have just gotten for $1. fifty in late charges reading these same books at the library. You, you didn't learn. You actually didn't learn this stuff. You're just regurgitating. Whereas Will Hunting, Hunting he, he says, at least I won't be unoriginal because I have thought about what I've read. I haven't just read it. And that's really the, the key going forward of in, in what this book is about and what Dr. Aoun is trying to do with universities he's he's trying to get them past the just the knowledge the transfer of knowledge but to apply that knowledge through experiential learning through lifelong learning so at the end of the day we don't know how things are going to pan out in in any book that says that they're they're predicting what's going to happen in the next 5 years it you can pretty much ignore that. Uh, but we do know that things are going to change and the people that are going to to do well that are gonna, th- who are gonna thrive are gonna be the people who are the lifelong learners. One thing he talks about, uh, I wanna read this quote and then ask you what type of person you're gonna be going into the future. Here's the quote. I believe that when people are given education, they may still be astonished by the changes and mysteries that the future holds, but they will see these as opportunities rather than threats. If you read any newspaper, it's all about the threats of AI. It's all about the threats to the workforce. Uh, 50% of the workforce may, may disappear. Uh, threats, it's, it's, it's negative. So do you see that as a threat or do you see it as an opportunity? It's really how you respond right now today in how you're becoming robot-proof through lifelong learning. So to recap the book, if you went to school, if you went to college, you were likely trained to kind of just be a cog in the machine, to to, to do the work, to get it done, Uh, but this is a book that is a call to action for universities to expand their role, to not just educate people for four years and then set them off into the workforce but to be partners with them on a lifelong journey of learning. But it's also about the individual. It's about taking action for yourself and participating in your own lifelong learning and it's never too late, too late. One of the guys I follow on on Twitter is George Ravelling. He is 81 years old, and he is a nonstop re- reader. He is constantly learning, and he's a, he's a real inspiration. And I, I hope I'm that way at, at, uh, at 80 years old. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Before I sign off, just a reminder that you can now share your reading list on the Books of Titans website by going to booksoftitans.com forward slash my books. You can also follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter at books of titans and if you haven't already done so you can subscribe to this podcast and find all of our past episodes through itunes the android marketplace or your podcast manager of choice if you're enjoying the podcast please make sure to give it a a five-star rating on itunes and share your favorite episodes on social media and with your friends we'll be back next week with another book uh, either jason or i and until then keep reading keep learning and keep listening i'm out